Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. It is time for Wolfing Down Your Lunch. And Wolf, I'll be honest, there's a lot of food outside that door. And everybody in the newsroom is flocking to one side to get all this homemade food. I know. Yeah. Kind of feels like a Friday, doesn't okay. it? Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little distracted. I really thought it was Friday, actually, you said that. What a rude awakening for me. Um, so, wolfing down your lunch with thoughts of lunch going on at the same time. Lauren is going to step in and do wolfing oh, down cool. your lunch today. What's up, Lauren? Hey, guys. If you didn't know, Kevin Durant made his home debut last night. What? I know. Sorry to break the news. That's it's huge. noon. We haven't talked about it once. <laughs> But here is his first basket at home. It came about halfway through the second quarter. Finally there defensively for Minnesota. Lob pass goes down to Durant. Durant left of the lane. Durant backing down, backing down. The fadeaway. He got it. Out of 10 footer on the left side. Maybe that'll open things up for KD. That basket would go on to tie the game 38 to 38. Mm. What are your guys' main takeaways from Kevin Durant's debut at the Footprint Center last night? Well, I think the, the first one is that uh, we uh, were all right in Kevin or Devin, except one of us, but we won't have, <laughs> we won't mention her name. We'll just say, of the four of us, three of us were right, taking uh, Devin. Yes. Uh, no, look, the, the takeaway was the relief that was in that arena that at some point, probably in about the second quarter when when, uh, when that basket happened, started to give way to excitement. Because at the start of the game, it was this kind of like nervous energy. And then once you got through warm-ups, that was one checkpoint. And then once he started scoring, it was kind of like, all right, basketball season's officially going. Yeah, you know, my biggest takeaway, K- KD did not play well. He didn't. He didn't shoot the ball well at all. And he had a rough night, and the Suns won the game, beating a hot team who had run, what, four games in a row? Yeah, they found a way to win a game, and that is the best thing about it. Even when KD struggled to shoot the ball, they found a way to win a game, and I love that. That's why I love this win. And sticking with the Suns, Devin Booker spoke on Josh Okoji stepping up in a big way during postgame last night. Here he is. You know, I think he always had what it what it took. He just didn't have that chance in, you know, his past situations. You know, he's been big for us. You know, I've matched up with him in practice, and, you know, I know he's a hound on defense, and, you know, he makes teams pay that try to, you know, sag off him or lay off him, and, you know, him in transition is tough to stop, too. Do you guys see him staying the fifth starter heading into the playoffs? And if not, who do you think could take his spot? I still do, but I know more and more people have hinted at Tory Craig getting that role. But I, I, I would still go with Josh Okogie, but I, I know that that Tory Craig narrative is definitely out there right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch, but I'm going J.O. right now. Uh, I mean, this guy, the way that he plays... He startles his opponents from time to time because he shows up out of nowhere. Or it seems that way when you watch Josh Akogi play basketball. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's going to stay right there going into the postseason. He's physical. 
He's an incredible athlete. He's got great gifts. He does physically very athletic, and yet his intensity level is off the charts. Guys, more breaking news for you. It's opening day today. What? And the Diamondbacks are on the road to face off against the Los Angeles Dodgers at 7.10 p.m. And you can catch that game here on 98.7 FM. The Diamondbacks president, Derek Hall, was on Bickley and Murata this morning, and he gave an update on the future of Chase Field. I think fans are reacting the same way that, that I have for 7 to 10 years. You know, we've identified the needs of this ballpark, and we've said if we're going to stay here, which we're going to know very, very soon, I'd say within the next month to two months. What do you guys want to see happen with Chase Field, whether that's renovations or an entirely new stadium? I want to see a renovation. Yeah, I I, 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 I feel like renovations, look, I don't know the ins and outs the way the D-backs are going to sure. say. So I don't know like what's behind the wall of like the pipe's about to burst or something. But I would think renovations would be enough to keep it in a really, I mean, the location's fantastic. It's still a very nice stadium. Yeah. I get that it's not... It is not a traditional, it's not Fenway Park, it's not Yankee sure. Stadium or Wrigley, but it is what it is, and, and, and for the, what it is, uh, its purpose is, it, I think it serves it. Yeah, I'd love to see a renovation where they're dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into that renovation. Um, this is where you won a World Series. Are you kidding? That, enough said right there. You can make uh, the case. I love case. the location. I love where it is. Downtown yeah. Phoenix. I love that. But this is where you want a World Series, man. That alone, you make the case that some of the biggest Valley sports history, maybe the biggest, was in that building. And the building's yeah. not like 100 years old. Like, I don't, I don't want to tear it down. Do you think that emotional connection to this stadium is enough to keep it around? Yeah. I think it should be enough. Just renovate it. Dump money into it. Heck yeah. Make it better. But don't move. We saw renovations with uh, Sun Devil Stadium, and that worked. And we saw renovations, obviously, with Footprint Center, and that worked as well. So, yep. All right. Well, sticking with the Diamondbacks, our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now on ArizonaSports.com. And it asks, how many games will the Diamondbacks win this year? You've got some options. 70 to 75, 76 to 80, 81 to 85 or 86 plus. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to go with the 81 to 85. That's going to be my my pick right there. Well, since I filled out my round table base. Oh, wow, well, look at you. So, you know. Fill out your bracket. Yet? Get off my back. <laughs> I filled I did the round table. 82. One game higher. Than Luke Lipinski. Oh, rude, but I hope you're right. And it's exactly what you did to me last year, too. Exactly. <laughs> and right. I was wrong, correct? You were wrong by one game. Oh, of course. <laughs> Let's not hash of the past. Ah, Come on, we guys. should. Okay. All right. 81 to 85 is our winner so far with 38% of the vote. Nice. 76 to 80 is 26%. 70 to 75 is 21%. And 86 plus has 16%. Okay, but that's that's optimism then. That's that's more. That's fifty three percent of the audience saying they're going to do five hundred or better this season. That yeah. that was not there last year. No, that was not. The hope it springs eternal doesn't not, and so much of it is because of these young guys. Uh-huh. It is. It's the unknown. You just don't know. It makes it exciting. And is that what you attribute this like hope? 
with this upcoming season yes. to the young players, sort of the question mark of what this yes. season could be? Yes, because I think so many other people, they've already made a judgment on some guys that might be out there like Madison Bumgarner, by way of example. Zach Allen, you know what he is. You know what you're going to get from him. Mad Bum, you think you know what you're going to get. Um, guys that are out there, yeah, yeah, I think he, known commodities, yeah, that makes you think, okay, that translates into this amount of wins. Yeah, but unknown commodities that are really, really talented, you don't know, and that fills you with hope. It helps to have more than one, too. If this if this was a team that was kind of locked in, you knew what it was, and you had Corbin Carroll, there would still be some excitement because he's generating buzz. I mean, he's the NL Rookie of the Year favorite. Uh, so he's generating buzz nationally anyway. But when you go into the season, you have Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas, and Jake McCarthy, and Gabriel Moreno, and maybe Brandon Fott or Jordan Lawler at some point this season. That's a lot. That that's that's a lot of different lottery tickets that you could win with right there. And they don't all have to click this year no. for them to to you know no. get up around five hundred. Just a couple of them do. Uh, all right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, Phoenix Rising's season kicks off this Saturday against San Diego Loyal SC, and we're giving you the chance to win tickets. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for details and your chance to win. When we come back, Kellen Olson is going to join us to talk about Kevin Durant's home debut last night. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I just see you out there, Kellen. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. <laughs> Arizona Sports, our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. All right, Wolf, the good news is I went out and found some food. Bad news is I uh, didn't get any silverware, so now I'm just staring at the okay. food. There's a lot of food out there, too. It's, it's, yeah, it's like it's a full it's an office party. Well, it's a going away party. Here at the station. One of our best uh, news people. Yeah. yeah. Grizz. Grizz is little. We get a lot of food to, to celebrate. So we need a distraction right now. And what better distraction is there than Kellen Olson calling in on the Arizona Sports Line after what I'm sure was a very long night? Kellen, thanks for the time. How are you doing? Doing good, Wolf. We can't take this guy anywhere. Can someone get this man a fork or a spoon or whatever he needs? My goodness. I'm debating trying to use this pen to eat, but yeah. uh, we're not there quite yet. Uh, right off uh, you would, too, you weirdo. I, I have no other options. I'm in survival mode here. Uh, yeah. right, <laughs> Kellen, the, uh, the game last night, um, I was I was there just in the crowd not covering it, and the the feeling kind of was like... Nervous energy before the game, and then just sort of relief as the game got going, and then excitement seemed to pick up. It was kind of strange. Kevin Durant, I, I don't remember seeing him have that bad of a shooting night, but uh, what was your impression just of the overall vibe there last night? Uh, it was great. It was a lot of nervous energy for sure, especially in pregame warm-ups, right? Everyone was one out there because I think sometimes it's, it's a mixed crowd in terms of who is there, who, who you're going to see. Uh, media members, for example, might have some work to get done, but everyone made sure that they were out there to watch his warm-up, not only because it was his home debut part two, but because of what happened in, in part one. So there was all of that before the game. And then I think once the game started, everyone sort of waited for him to not settle in, but just look exactly the way that he did. Because if we would have seen this type of performance from him in Charlotte, we would have been like, oh, okay, like first game. He's back from an injury. There's some nervous energy there, sure. But it was so seamless and smooth instantly in those three road games that I think we all rightfully expected for that to 
kind of hold up here, and, and it just didn't. There was the loose ball offensive rebound where he got like a baseline jumper from 12 feet out, and he didn't come close to making that, and that's where it was less for me about conditioning or like the ankle bothering him or whatever it would be to just be like, oh, he's he's nervous or there's just something going on there. And, and that's what he said after the fact. He said the ankle felt completely fine, and he was just a little – been nervous, uh, but the great thing about this team and what we've been talking about for so long is that if he doesn't have it going, they've got plenty of other options and it wasn't even Devin Booker last night. It was Chris Paul and John Reed and they closed it out. Yeah, for me, Killer, it was all about how he was going to move. I honestly didn't have any expectation whatsoever in regard to the amount of points he might score or what kind of numbers he would post. For me, it was just about watching him move, and I thought he moved very, very well. Your takeaways from what you saw as a team last night from the Phoenix Suns. It was part of what I talked about, right? And and Chris Paul talked about this after the game. There are going to be games where it's going to be Chris and DeAndre closing it out. There's going to be games where it's Kevin or or Devin or someone else because teams only have so many – Minnesota is sort of an ideal team, and and Book said this too because they've got two really good perimeter defenders. They've got Jaden McDaniels, who might make all defenses here, and then Anthony Edwards, who can be the best defender in the room on on any given night of his – and 10 is there. So they had those two guys to send. But then Mike Conley, who's a good friend of his own right, still had to guard Chris Paul. And then Rudy Gobert kind of struggles in that coverage against Chris Paul specifically. And then when you space the floor out and don't provide help to that two-man game, like you're in trouble. And we saw that towards the end of the game. So even a team like Minnesota that has the individual capability to kind of defend this team still kind of ran out of answers. And if you look at to Friday right now, like they've got KCP to put on Booker, they've got Aaron Gordon to put on Durant, but Jamal Murray's going to have to guard Chris Paul. Like Nicole Jokic is going to have to be the back line defense on that pick and roll, and we're I think we're going to see a lot more of what we saw on Wednesday in that regard. It's just going to speak to how offensively, like they're just not going to have any issues. Kellen Olson is joining us. Uh, Kellen, you know, Monty Williams has said as far as a playoff rotation, I think the number he gave was nine and a half. And then he kind of the other day said that was a weird number to give. But, uh, you know, after he gave that nine and a half number, all of a sudden TJ Warren entered back into the fray and Terrence Ross has had some really good productive games. Just as far as the playoffs, do you see that the, the, the group of players, even if it is only nine, do you see that potentially changing from night to night? Yes, I, I do. I think that the Ross and Warren spots specifically are, are ones that will change. I think campaign is always going to be the backup point guard, quote-unquote, but on some nights that might be him playing seven minutes. On some nights that might be him playing 20 minutes, but there's that extra wing and that extra guard spot outside of Torrey Craig, the backup center, and the backup point guard that could fluctuate on a night-to-night basis. And right now it's Ross and Warren, deservedly so, because of how well that they played in the three games prior to last night. And then last night they didn't really have that much of an impact, but there are going to be games where this they're facing a team that staggers their stars a bit and they have a really good defensive option out there. So you want Toy Craig, or offensive option rather, and you want Toy Craig and Ish Wainwright out there because Ish has been probably the best defender off of the bench uh, for them in this, in this post kind of KD era. There are going to be times where they're playing a really good defensive team and they want maximum space, and that's where Damian Lee can get in with his shooting. So there are a lot of different options that they can look at, and I do think it'll fluctuate based on the matchup, yeah. You know, speaking on of defense right now, Killer, it, it seems to me that Chris Paul has been much more active defensively in the last few games. Would you agree with that? Definitely, and and I think that after how odd that first half was, just the total energy of the game and how uneven the flow of it all was, 
I thought the one guy to respond with his energy more than anyone in the second half was Chris Paul, and it was on it was on both ends. He was just he was flying around, and I think that we've seen him really not necessarily round into form because we know what his form is, which is a top 15, 20 player in the league, but we've seen him find a rhythm at the very least, and that's been huge for them on both ends, but particularly defensively because yeah, I think people forget this in Phoenix because we're seeing the twilight of his year. Like, this is arguably the best defensive point guard of all time. I think it's nine all-defense teams that he's yeah. made over the course of his career, so he's superb on that end, even with the way that his his legs can't move like they used to back in the day, of course, but, like, his instincts and his team defense is still there. And we saw how last night, like, he can still, like, spark a team, even even with the limitations at this age and, and at this point in his career. Kellen Olson's joining us. Uh, Kellen, I, I've wanted to ask you this question for a few days. I guess I could have just texted you, but I waited until this moment. Uh, we had Jay Williams on earlier talking about the Western Conference, and he said it's almost like paper, rock, scissors, where one team could beat one, but then they're going to lose to somebody else. And it, it, When you look around the West right now, is there one team that stands out as a, as a better or maybe even a tougher matchup for the Suns? Not that they would definitely win or lose, but just something that's more favorable or something that's more difficult? I think it goes back to what I was just talking about in terms of defensive matchups and looking at the teams that have the not only team defense in place, but the individual defense in place. And I think a fully healthy Golden State immediately stands out because they'd have Draymond and Wiggins to throw at Durant, and then one one or the other would be defending Devin Booker. And then as a team defense with Looney back there, they've always been pretty darn good. So I, I think them as a team, really stands out above all the others. I did mention Minnesota, but they're just too early into this right now. Then there's the Gobert and Towns issue or problem. Is it a problem? We're going to find out here pretty soon. A lot of us already think that it is going to be a problem for them in the postseason, but we're going to have to wait and see on that front. But the the easy answer is Golden State, just because of the championship pedigree that they have. You know that they can execute a scheme, various different schemes over the course of a series. They can throw a wrench into that offense. And then, of course, their offense speaks for itself with Steph and, and all the other options that they have, too. You know, to me, Kilroy, it seems like campaign has turned a consistency corner. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that just what he needs to provide to the team is energy more than anything. And the way that he can do that is hit a big three or two, set up a couple of threes. And, and Kevin shouted him out last night in, in talking about those two threes that he got in the fourth quarter. Those were set up by campaign. So I know that Cam had that late third quarter surge where, it was a lot of his scoring getting it done, but the way that he was able to set up Durant and get that guy some huge shots that he needed uh, just for him to find a rhythm at that point in the game, but also like the team needed to kind of stay afloat while Booker was resting was huge. And I think that what he provides off the bench is unlike anyone else on the team, quite honestly, and, and that's really just a huge difference for them when he's able to come in there and make an impact. We've just seen overall in the last five games what it looks like when you can get solid play off the bench, sure, but when you have standout performances like we've seen from Ross or Warren or now Payne, it just makes a difference for a team that has this good of a starting five, that has this much star power uh, at the top. Kellen Olsen, I expect nothing less than great stuff, and you delivered again, buddy. Thanks Thank a lot, you, man. Thanks, guys. That's uh, Kellen Olsen joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. I would imagine everybody listening is following Kellen, reading his stuff. No, there's uh, no doubt about it. Everybody was all over his Twitter last night yeah. before the game. But uh, if you're not, then uh, you can still get into the party, obviously, because when these playoffs get going, it's really going to ramp up. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620. 620 right now when we come back. We're going to get back into opening day for baseball. D-backs opening tonight against the Dodgers of all teams in MLB.com. D-backs reporter Steve Gilbert is going to join us. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show here on this Thursday afternoon. Now it is, of course, opening day. There's been so much KD talk, but there is opening day baseball going on, including D-backs, Dodgers tonight. Wolf, we've been talking a lot about the excitement level leading up to this season. You and I were talking about it, you specifically, last season, how excited you were for the start of this season, (laughs) last season. So... Steve Gilbert of MLB.com covers the D-backs, obviously. I think D-backs fans are well aware of Steve Gilbert's work. He joins us on the Arizona Sports Line right now. Steve, thank you for the time. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? Doing great, Steve. Really appreciate your time right now. Before we get started with the Diamondbacks, I have to ask you a general question. Do you like the role changes Wolf, I love them. I got to tell you. <laughs> I, nice. I knew you would, nice. Steve. Listen, I mean, it's like Nick Picoro of the Arizona Republic and I were adding this up the other day with all the games that we cover. If if there's actually 20 to 25 minutes less per game, that's three whole days of our lives we get back at the end of the season. So big fan. I, but but I think for fans, too, honestly, all kidding aside, I think for fans, it, it makes for a better game. I think that, the, you know, you, you see it eliminated a lot of dead time. And I think that that's really what they were trying to do. And there's more balls put in play without the shift. Uh, I just think it's a it's a it, it, it's a win win for everybody. I think players too. Wait till the players get to August and they realize they've been standing on the field for twenty twenty five minutes less per game. I think that's going to pay dividends for them. You know, Steve, sticking with those for just a second, it, it really feels like the. The rules that are going to encourage base running or at least uh, make it easier maybe to steal bases would really play into the hands of, of a team like the Diamondbacks. Is that reading too much into it? Do we have to wait and see, or do you feel that way too? Well, I don't think so. I think I think that does play into their hands. I think that, you know, they have a young athletic team that can take advantage of, of some of the, you know, the bigger bases and uh, maybe pitchers not being able to to throw over more than three times. Uh, I think they I think they're trying to find ways to exploit that. It's going to be kind of fun to watch. Um, you know that that was baseball like it was back in the '80s and '90s when you had teams you know actually stealing bases. And I think you saw this spring. Not only were game times down, but stolen base attempts and successes were up. And I think you'll see that more in the regular season. I think you know Tori Lavella said the other day. When we asked him about some of the you know ways of exploiting some of the the, the new rules for stolen bases, that Diamondbacks didn't run all that much during spring training, and he says we don't want to tip our hand, we don't want to show our hand just yet. We've been working on the backfield on some things, so I, I do think you're going to see uh, them be pretty aggressive on the base path. So, Steve, what are your expectations for the 2023 Diamondbacks? Uh, you know, it, it's. I think it's going to. I think they're going to be fun to watch, one way or the other. I think it's going to be a young, exciting team. I think uh, you know, you watch Corbin Carroll run the bases. I don't think I've enjoyed watching somebody run the bases uh, this much for a long time. Um, and, and Jake McCarthy and, and Alec Thomas. I think that's going to be fun to watch them. Uh, I'm really curious to see how some of the young pitchers come through and the new bullpen, uh, the revamped bullpen, how that how they perform. Um, so I think there's a lot of kind of uh, you know fun things to to watch for and see how they turn out this year. Talking to Steve Gilbert of MLB.com. Steve, two names that aren't on the team right now, but are, I think, on a lot of D-backs fans' minds as far as the next prospects. Uh, You know, Brandon Fott and Jordan Lawler. 
I know it's early, but do you see any any path for either of them making an impact for the major league club this year? I think for sure you can see Brandon Fott being up here at, at some point this year. I think he had an outstanding spring. Uh, I think you know they they deferred to uh, Nelson and Jameson because of their experience last year and the success they had last September. Um, but I think uh, you could make the case that Fott had the best spring of all three of those guys. And I think uh, should somebody falter, should there be an injury, I think he would probably be the, the first call up as it stands right now, depending on how you know how his season goes down there. Uh, he would be one of the first called up. So I think for sure you could see him. Uh, Jordan Lawler, I'm not sure about. He, you know, he, he's he's young, um, but you know, after watching Corbin Carroll push his way all the way. Uh, through the system and up to the big leagues at the end of last year, I don't think we can we can rule that out for for maybe seeing Jordan Lawler in September. Steve, what are your thoughts in regard to Corbin Carroll and the contract that the Diamondbacks signed him to? Uh, I think it's a I think it's a you know it's interesting. In my mentions, there were in on Twitter there were there were people who thought it was a terrible deal for him to sign, and people who thought it was a terrible deal for the Diamondbacks to offer him. So I think that means it's probably a fair deal. Um, I think, you know, both sides both sides are, are taking a gamble here, right? The Diamondbacks are banking on the fact that he's going to be as good as advertised, and, and he's probably leaving a little money on the table if he were to go year to year through arbitration and then free agency if he is the kind of player that he's supposed to be. So I think it's a good deal. I think, you know, it's a good deal for fans because I think they don't have to worry about are the Diamondbacks trading Corbin Carroll after going through what they went through with Paul Goldschmidt. I think that to know that, that this guy's going to be around for, you know, the next eight years or whatever, nine years, um, that, that that's a pretty good feeling for, for fans. All right, Steve, as far as, as this team having success this year and maybe making a push for a playoff spot, if you could have one or the other, a, a bounce-back year by Cattell Marte or a bounce-back year by Madison Bumgarner, which one do you think would help them more? Ooh, wow, that's a good question. Um, I'll go with Cattell Marte because I, uh, you know, I'm remembering what it was like in 2019 when he kind of carried this offense in August and, and dragged them right back into a, a really a wild card race that nobody thought they'd be in uh, down the stretch in September. I think if, if Madison Bumgarner doesn't have a rebound season, I do think they have some other options as we talked about Jameson in the bullpen. We talked about Brandon fought. There's Tommy Henry down there um, and some others. So I, I think they have more depth in that regard. But I think if Cattell Mar- Marte bounces back and is a 2019 Cattell Marte, that, that's a big, that's a big uh, thing for this offense. You know, it's so interesting with Mad Bomb as well because there is precedent for a veteran pitcher that suddenly falls on hard times and then rears his head and seems to find himself once again. Do you think that is possible for Mad Bomb? Sure, I think it's possible. I, I think, you know, this spring he's, his his off-speed stuff has looked, uh, has looked a lot better. Um, so I, I think there's always a chance that a guy can find something or a guy can make certain adjustments. I think, you know, he really enjoys calling his own pitches. So the fact that there's now pitch com where he can call his own pitches uh, is something that he really enjoys. And you can see the pace on the mound with with, with him up there. He knows what he's going to throw, um, and he just gets right to it. So, uh, sure, I think there's a, there's there's a there's a legitimate chance that 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 he could have a bounce back year and be a solid starter for them. Steve, I want to ask you about Kyle Lewis too. There's, um, you know, everybody talked so much about the depth that the D-backs had in the outfield last year, and maybe they almost had too many outfielders. And then they go out and add Kyle Lewis, who won Rookie of the Year a couple of years ago, and specifically today, it looks like he's batting leadoff. He had a good spring. What do you make of him? 
Uh, he's a he's a real intriguing player. I mean, he's a guy that that you know injuries have kind of uh, hampered him a bit, but uh, he's taken away a little bit of his speed, uh, a little bit of his defense. But he certainly, man, he 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 really hit the ball hard this whole spring training and, and won that job. I mean, I, you know, Paven Smith would have been a nice backup first baseman for them to have, um, but they simply there was just no way they could keep. Kyle Lewis off the team the way he swung the bat. So uh, not surprised. I guess maybe a little surprised he's hitting leadoff today, but uh, that's uh, that's certainly uh, an interesting bat against left-handers. And, and if they can keep him healthy and productive all year long, that's a big addition for them. Steve, Gabriel Moreno is a guy that I just find fascinating. Here he is. He's got 25 games in the bigs, and he's going to be handling this pitching staff. He's wildly talented. What are your expectations for this guy? He's looked really good this spring, too. He's a guy that uh, has shown an ability. The one knock on him was was maybe he didn't have you know hit for power necessarily, but he hit a couple balls this spring that got out in a hurry. Um, and that's a lot of times with the younger players, something that, that, that comes with a little bit of time and experience, knowing what pitches you can, you can turn on, knowing what pitches you can drive. Um, I think he's, anytime you can get a catching prospect that's that well regarded, um, both offensively and defensively, he does a really nice job of throwing out runners. Um, and pitchers seem to, to like throwing to him. Uh, I think the sky's the limit for him. He's kind of an exciting guy to watch. Steve, thank you so much for the time, man. We'll look forward to catching up with you again throughout the season, all right? Guys, my pleasure. You know, we make a big deal about today, but we still got 161 after today. <laughs> yeah, right. but they're all, they're all 25 minutes shorter, though, so Steve, you're okay. we want you back on. <laughs> <laughs> now you got those extra three days of your life to deal with. So That's yeah. right. That's right. All right, guys. Take thank care. you, brother. Thanks, Steve. That's uh, Steve Gilbert covers the D-backs, of course, for MLB.com. I- I'm looking at the lineup that the team tweeted out here, Wolf, uh, just a few minutes ago. Nice. And and it 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 is the D-backs. It's not the lineup you would necessarily expect. I'm assuming this is the batting order. This is how everybody's reacting to it. So I'm going to read it off to you real quick. Okay, okay? I'm ready. Kyle Lewis, DH, batting Whoa. first. Uh, Cattell Marte playing second, batting second. Okay. Lord Scurriel batting uh, third, playing left. Christian Walker clean up uh, at first. Evan Longoria at third, batting fifth. Nick Ahmed at short, batting sixth. Corbin Carroll in center, batting seventh. Gabriel Moreno, catcher batting eighth. Jake McCarthy, right field, batting ninth. Wow. Zach Gallon on the mound. Okay. Didn't expect that. So I'm, I'm assuming there's no other. That, that's not like. Give me the three hole again. <laughs> Guriel third, yes. Walker fourth, Just Longoria okay. fifth. Yeah. There you go. So we'll see. It's, All right. Uh, we'll see. All right. Uh, thanks to Steve Gilbert we'll for joining us there. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get back into I mean, look, it could work. I'm not saying it's 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 just. Nor am I. It's, uh, they, they like it's to run different. some different lineups out there. Yes. But uh, maybe give the Dodgers a different look here right out of the gates. When we come back, what is having Kevin Durant do for the Suns' big picture? And also, there was a lot going on in the Western Conference last night. When we come back, we're just going to kind of. Give you a reset of how these standings look with just over a week left in the regular season. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. It feels like things started to come into focus a little bit more in uh, in the Western Conference last night. 
uh, or they make even less sense. I can't tell. But it, it's not just for the Suns, though. We we saw some some fairly big uh, games last night. Now we are to the point, Wolf, where the Suns' last game of the season is a week from Sunday. So we're not that far away from the end of this thing. Um, we had Jay Williams on earlier. He brought up the, the rock, paper, scissors analogy for the Western Conference of, you know, Team A might be able to beat Team B and B beats C, but then C is going to beat A. Like, it really could come down to matchups and just the yeah. way this falls. And, um, and it's funny, I, I think it was Burns and Gamble yesterday when I was driving to the game talking about how you, you may not necessarily, if the Suns are the fourth seed, do you really want to be the fifth seed playing the Suns in the first round? Like, you're not going to, you're not going to purposely avoid that, but do you want to play the team with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul or Sacramento, who's not easy either, but maybe doesn't have, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul. Yeah, you know, so much of it, of course, has got to do with how consistent I think the Suns play over these last seven games. It started, of course, last night, as we all know, an excellent job by the Suns going out and beating a team that was a hot team, a team that had won four in a row, a team that was looking better, uh, above 500 now, a team that was putting it together, and they beat them. They beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, and okay, I get it, they were at home as well, but we know the Suns have struggled and yet, with Kevin Durant back, um, they're 4-0 right now. They're off to an excellent start. They've got six more games left to get their rotations down and kind of get a sense for how they're going to be and how they're going to play with KD in the lineup. But I, th- I think the Phoenix Suns, it's still a huge question mark going forward as to just how good they can be. Yeah, it's um, it's a question mark. In a lot of ways, because you don't know how high the ceiling is necessarily. Right. But you're right. I mean, and, and even, you know, I said this yesterday that if they, if they could win that game last night, and actually, I think I said it last week, if they could, if they could beat Utah and Minnesota, and now you've got Katie back and you've got DA back and you just beat the team that's right there on the cusp of the play in and the playoffs in Minnesota, um, you're going to be in pretty good shape as far as at least staying in the top six. And, and that's what happened. And they are. But they're only a half game up on the Clippers. They're yeah. only a game and a half up on Golden State. Now, if they're just going to stick to this every time KD plays, we win. Yeah. And, and that's been the case so far. They're 4-0. and Then it doesn't matter how close these teams that's are. That's a good trend, isn't yeah. it, right now? They, they really should try to implement that. But if you look around the, the other games last night, Sacramento won. Oklahoma City won. They're sticking around. The Clippers won. Memphis lost. The Lakers won again. Dallas lost again. And that's pretty much the Western Conference outside of Phoenix and Minnesota. Oh, darn. I'm trying to figure out how to read this quote from Kyrie on the yeah. air. Poor Dallas. Uh, Tim Bontemps tweeted this out last night. said, Kyrie Irving, when asked about how things are going in Dallas at the moment, quote, it's kind of a little bit of a bleep right now. Okay. Unquote. Now, that tweet's been since deleted. Yes. I don't know why it would be deleted if, it, if that was really a quote. Well, d- didn't he say cluster? Well, yeah, cluster, cluster bleep. bleep. I mean, the, the right. tweet says everything. I mean, yeah. I'm just not okay. reading it. Yeah, right. Of course. What was trying to keep our license and all? Well, I, I think you could bleep yourself well, right okay. there, right? There. A cluster yeah. bleep. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I think. But we I'm saying the tweet. The tweet is. is now gone. Okay, the tweet is now gone. Yeah, but it was out there at one point in time. Either way, Kyrie doesn't seem real happy in Dallas, and they are. Let this be a lesson to us, young crunk. Brothers, okay, if you're out there right now, just because you delete that thing doesn't mean that it's disappeared. Never forget that. If you tweet Little tip from your uncle Ron, chances are if you tweet something that needs deleted, that means it got screenshotted by somebody. <laughs> out there. 
Exactly. So look at these standings, though, from fourth to... I'm going to cut it off Can at 11th. Can I get greedy right now? Can I just say, I hear you say fourth, I want the fourth. I want it bad. I thought you were going to say... Honestly, I think the Suns ought to make that like, hey, this is a goal of ours. I think it is. Well, I, I'd love to see somebody say, this is this is what we need to do. We we can't give up the four seed. We can't do it. And we're going to play accordingly. We're going to play that way. I'd like to see them start focusing in on not just uh, how are we going to play with KD. But you know what? We're not only going to figure that out. We're going to win with KD. And we should win. I, I You know, again, embrace it. I want to see them embrace the fact that they are a team to be reckoned with. I thought you were going to say, can you get greedy and have the Suns fourth and Dallas miss the play-in completely? Because right now, that's where you are. Dallas has five games left. Yeah. And they are, well, 15 games out of out of first, but, uh, but one out of, they're in 11th. They're one behind Oklahoma City for 10th. So as much as from the Suns' perspective, you don't want to drop into the play-in. If you're a Dallas fan... And I don't even know what to say to you. Um, <laughs> enjoy trying to keep Luca oh, in a couple of years goodness. here because it doesn't sound great. Um, you're just trying to get into the play-in right now. And, and again, they went all in to a certain extent going in and, make, and trading those pieces for Kyrie who might yeah. not even come back. Now, I, again, I, I, I always say this. I appreciate teams taking a risk and going all in. Sure. And Dallas has Luca, and Luca's entering his prime. So I, I get the logic behind that. I don't love the idea of trading for Kyrie. I don't didn't love the idea that the Suns were ever linked to a trade for uh, for Kyrie. But Yo. the reality for Dallas is they've got five games to turn this around, or they're going to miss the play-in. Man, um, I don't feel badly for Dallas. I, I, really, I know I really you don't. Do not. I, I do not feel badly at all. And you get what you get. You went out and you got Kyrie. I I just don't understand why. Well, yeah, I do. I do understand why. You'll give anybody chance after chance after chance if they're talented enough. How many times do we see that? We see that out in society every day. Do we not? You see that, Basinonians walking around. Somebody who's wildly talented gets opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. For whatever reason, they do. And Kyrie Irving gets that opportunity, even though I think he has basically destroyed three different franchises. We were talking about this at the game last night. Like, if, if you're Kyrie and you want to get paid this offseason, <laughs> don't you need to go to oh Dallas and just kind of not make comments like that? I mean, I'm assuming that comment's real, even though the tweet got deleted. I'm assuming the tweet got deleted because they didn't want that language on their Twitter feed or whatever. But... Either way, there's been issues in Dallas, whether whether that exact quote is right or not. So if you're Kyrie, don't you just go there for a month and a half, try to get them in the playoffs, yeah. maybe win around, but just, you know, just play. I think just, he just, tried just to. I think he tried to actually do that. I think he tried to not be himself. I think he tried to. I think he really did. It just, it rears its head with Kyrie Irving. It does. Do you worry? You are who are, hey, never forget this. As my old coach used to say, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> that sounds like a Vince, actually, that sounds like a Yogi Berra quote right there. Wherever you go, there you are. And that's exactly where Kyrie is. And that is the problem. I just don't know if he'll ever look at himself and see it. 
and say, what are you doing, Kyrie? If he'll ever look at himself and critique himself and say, you got to knock this off and I'm going to change. I don't know. You worried at all that the Suns might be interested in him this summer? No. Okay. No, I'm not. I'm not like worried, worried, but I think it's... The evidence is there. Well, I, I, I don't goes. want him. I don't want him. He's a very good player, and he's a huge reason Cleveland won that title that year. That, that when LeBron went uh, went back and they actually beat Golden State, he's a great player. Yeah, I just but don't, that's when I don't he want started him here. to get a little sideways. Yeah, to me. it got a little sideways. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, real quick, after Cleveland, you brought up uh, keeping that fourth seed. Jay Williams did remind me of something earlier when he was talking. Said, you know, remember, role players tend to play better. When you're at home in the playoffs, yeah. which we all know to be true from the last couple Suns playoffs uh, appearances, but you, that's that is one thing that you would you'd just like to have the four seat if at all possible. All right, when we come back, get uh, greedy. We'll get back into uh, to Kevin Durant and his thoughts on his home debut from last night. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.